Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode is the second chapter of our little ghost story episodes. And we're going to be discussing The Frighteners and Session 9. I know, you probably never heard that last one. But god damn it, it's good. Um, I know they don't go together thematically or tonally at all. Because if there is anything that tells you this is a big, wacky studio love letter to 80s... Like, you know, all those guys, Joe Dante, Steven Spielberg, John Carpenter, it's, it's a love fest to all of that. But with with Peter Jackson's own signature all over this. Movie yeah, it definitely has that kind of uh, bouncy, um, eccentric vibe to it. Yeah, and it, it's got a little bit of uh, Tim Burton and the Danny Elfman vibe, too. But yeah, that's also because uh, Danny Elfman does the music for this yeah. one, too, right? Yeah, and it, it feels, I said that about the 80s, but it feels a lot like a cousin to Beetlejuice. You could just put the two movies together. Yeah, especially music-wise. The, um, like Dust Till Dawn, this is another episode of Tales from the Crypt that the producer found and decided instead it would make a better movie. Yeah, and I think they're right. I, I, I have conflicting feelings about it. I think that it's such an interesting and fun premise, um, but it's also a little too too silly at times. There are times. I think that what's his face, the boyfriend, uh, Peter Dobson's character. His character is so well. Everybody is going over the top, and here's the problem: is you, except for Michael J. Fox. I really feel like everybody should have pulled... Like, there should be more of a balance of normal people and insane people. <laughs> right. Everyone, but instead, everyone's insane, and he's... Despite being, like, the most insane-seeming, he's the most normal one, and it's very strange. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, he has... Like the other movies, he has an incident that gives him the ability to see the dead. Now, did they explain... I've seen this movie a few times, but for some reason I never catch up on this. Is this a ability he's always had and it got triggered? Or it only came along because of the incident, the traumatic incident? I believe it was because of the incident. I know that he was... So, yeah, when they showed a bit of his past, he was just like an asshole, basically. It doesn't seem like he had that power back then. He seemed like he was doing all right for himself. It seems like after the car accident, that's when it happened. Okay. Uh, Which I think coincides with the sort of downward spiral of his life. Not just like the the literal ghost that he sees, but also the ghosts of his partner who he may have incidentally killed with the car crash. So there's kind of like some themes going on there. Yeah. Um, and Robert Zemeckis produced this and he has, you know, that big pole that he can, you know, slap a real per, uh, uh, budget on this. It's only $30 million. And while, yes, some of the effects look dated now, at the time, they were absolutely fucking groundbreaking. If you look at the movies around that time... Yeah, I mean, some of them are still pretty good. Yeah, the only ones that really don't work, I think, is like when um, the painting, it comes alive and starts punching him in the face, whatever. I was like, yeah, that that looks kind of shit. Yeah, the slap, picky stuff doesn't really work. Uh, And some of the, like, the cloaked creature... um, like sometimes it looks amazing and then other times it looks awful and not a lot of consistency yeah and he mixes a lot of practical effects and then just puts a, like a layer of glow upon them so not all that's digital obviously and we have I believe Rick Baker is doing the special the makeup effects mm. 
trying to look here. Um, it's, it's interesting that this was all done in New Zealand. That's how they were able to do it for so cheap. And this led to the whole like, oh, we have all these computers now in New Zealand. We have a team put together. What are we going to work on? Well, <laughs> they started working on King Kong. Um, but then Universal Studios got nervous and put it on hold. And then lo and behold, all of a sudden, they had the green light for Lord of the Rings. And, you know, that... From there on out, he has his studio. Weta is still around today doing amazing, not just digital effects, but just makeup effects and costuming and stuff like that. They have a whole industry down there. Just so strange. I feel so uh, alien because like, I don't like Lord of the Rings, but I love uh, Peter Jackson's other movies. <laughs> okay, so did you like his King Kong? I, I thought it was pretty good. I have only watched it once. I don't really want to watch it again. I'm more talking about like uh, uh, Brain Dead, uh, Meet the Fe- Meet the Feebles, oh, okay. and uh, Brain Dead. So it's like old school stuff. Yeah, it's his stuff. Wait, not Brain that. Dead. A uh, uh, bad taste. Sorry. Oh, bad taste. Yeah, some of his stuff now. It seems like he's scared to do something because of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So he's got the James Cameron uh, disease, where, where oh, I gotta top myself yes. every time. Whereas back then, he was just throwing whatever he could at the wall. And he had just come off yeah. of doing Heavenly Creatures, which is a critically acclaimed independent movie. And so it's like he was tr- struggling, I think, to... He comes off his art house film, but he just had a bunch of wacky-ass movies that are really gory. And this is a weird compromise in the middle. It's wacky, but they pulled back on the gore. Yeah, and like they... <laughs> Yeah, so it's more like how do they do it? It's like it deflation, right? Like when they get it, when the ghosts get attacked, they just kind of deflate rather than like explode and go or anything. Yeah, which is usually what I would expect from Peter Jackson, but this is a lot more like trying to appeal to the widest audience. Yeah, well, and I think his ho- most haunting moments are the ones that have nothing to do with the ghosts. It's when he's doing the flashbacks in the hospital and he's seeing what happened. And they're carving the numbers with a fucking box cutter in their forehead. And that is disturbing as hell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He does. I mean, for a guy who hasn't directed any studio films, he makes this look like fucking dynamite. Every every set piece looks astounding. And I think part of it is because no one really was shooting in New Zealand, and he found stuff that we had never seen before. I mean, that's always been his major strength, is taking the smallest budget possible and making it seem as big as it, as it can be. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of the end for Michael J. Fox's career as a movie star. Sadly, this did tank. But to be fair, every single last fucking movie except for... Um, Oh, what is that? You know one of those John Grisham movies, you know, where Samuel L. Jackson is like, Yeah, they died, I'm glad to burn hell! Uh, time to kill. Um, that was a terrible Samuel L. Jackson impersonation, too. But, uh, no, but I knew what you were talking about. Yeah, for some reason, for three months there, everything tanked. And part of it was uh, the Olympics, but I went and saw this twice, and I was flabbergasted that it didn't make any money. Even Roger Ebert gave it a four and a half out of five. and just. Oh, my God. Yeah, and he doesn't do that very often. He thought it was just an astounding no, piece of work. Generous. Um, but I think the side actors are having so much fun. John Aston playing the old cowboy, uh, his two sidekicks, but D. Wallace Stone and Jeffrey Combs. Holy fucking <laughs> shit! Oh, uh, Jeffrey Combs. Oh, he is such an underrated actor. When he whips out that little donut, 
He's terrifying, but at the same time, so goddamn hilarious because you know he is unstable and you don't know what's coming next. It could be horrifying, or it could be hilarious. Yeah, you know, like he, and I think that that scene just kind of epitomizes his entire character as he like forcefully puts a woman in a in a car and he's he's acting on behalf of he's representing the police basically, and so he's doing something incredibly illegal. And then he like reaches quickly into his jacket pocket, and it's like, oh my god, what the fuck? Is he gonna kill her? And then he pulls out like a hemorrhoid donut to sit on while he drives. Yeah, it's just it's perfect. It's so good. I, there was a line in this that I repeated for some reason because I thought it was so disturbing and hilarious at the same time is when he says he pull <laughs> he goes, my body is a roadmap of pain. <laughs> so fucking amazing, but over the top and silly, but horrifying at the same time <laughs> yeah. yeah I feel like that's like Jeffrey Combs character is basically what Jackson was going for with everybody but not not everybody could do that You're right and I'm just so glad that he got to have that because Jeffrey Combs is a guy who's never really had anything besides reanimator and it's kind of a shame mm-hmm. yeah I mean, he's done some Star Trek, he's done some voice work and for like, video games and TV shows or and cartoons, but like he's never really like hit the mainstream since then, since like Reanimator. Yeah. Uh, and Dee Wallace Stone, who I always thought was underrated, I, seriously, her performance in Cujo is Oscar-worthy, and that's not hyperbole, <laughs> I really think it's fantastic. Um, yeah, she was so good. She's very good at balancing, and when the twist comes, you're shocked. I did not expect it to go that way, did you? No, that, like, that's another thing that I that I really like about it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we were talking about uh, M.I. Shyamalan's, the whole thing with, with like, twists is that they have to be earned, they have to, um, like, make sense for the story, and this one really does. When she says vivisection or something like that, the child, like, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. This, Jake Busey, somehow per. He goes past his father's craziness, which is legendary. He, but I think he knows. And I, maybe Jake Busey actually like probably learned something from his father's demented behavior. <laughs> yeah, and again, like uh, he was uh, Jake Busey is another actor who can pull off the bizarre, creepy, and funny all at the same time, just like the way Jeffrey Combs can. Yeah. And so, like those those two are phenomenal. It's just it's such a fun ride. Did you watch the director's cut or the original? Okay, I and I watched the director's cut, and to tell you, I mean, there are bits and pieces, but none of it feel critical. It just seems like, oh, well, Peter Jackson has, like, this in the vault, and he hit it big with Lord of the Rings. We can sell this movie we lost movie on, uh, money on. So I think that's why they released the director's cut. Nothing really seemed all that necessary. And one thing that, uh, or one thing, I mean, there's a lot of things to that are not great about the movie, but, like, one of the things I don't understand is the ending. Um... Where, like, the serial killers, you know, uh, kill Michael J. Fox's character. But they're like, it's not your time, so you need to go back down to your body. But they've killed, like, 38 people. Yeah, And yeah. none of them got to return. Yeah, so it, wa- him? it wasn't their time either. Maybe because he did a noble <laughs> act? I don't know. Maybe that was his reward? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It is weird that he's <laughs> able to grab her body and take it with him. I, I don't understand how that... I guess you just make up the rules. I mean, it is a wild and crazy movie, so maybe they're just like, ah, fuck it, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of... 
I do like um, the, the build up to the end in the creepy house uh, being chased by, by a in person serial killer and then a ghost serial killer at the same time. Like that whole sequence is great up until a point, and then it just becomes um, uh, what do we do next kind of situation? Like, yeah. how do we get them out of this and then just kind of break the rules? <laughs> Jeffrey Combs getting his head blown off and instantly goes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a really wild ride, and it, it evokes a lot of the fun stuff in the 80s. It's weird. It was kind of a shining light when it comes to horror during this time because everything was trying to either be uh, Freddy Krueger or, or it was trying to be like, well, we're not a horror movie. We're a thriller. We're a sophisticated thriller because we can't sell that. Yeah. And, and again, that's something that Peter Jackson has always done really well is... Uh, just making a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, without making me throw up this time. <laughs> There's some stuff in Meet the Feebles <laughs> and Bad Taste. Oh, the slurping of the... Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, and so complete and absolute juxtaposition of two like unlike elements. We have Session 9, which came out in 2000. Uh, I believe the last from USA Studios before they shut down and uh, got absorbed into Universal... And uh, it's kind of a shame that it barely got released. This and Wet Hot American Summer. So you're, so you're saying there's a chance at Universal Studios there will be a Session 9 ride. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome to the... You're, you're, uh, you bought a ticket to clean this mental hospital. It's all a scam. It's just they wanted to clean up this building. <laughs> and this one... Yeah, I, I, yeah. Looks like... Go ahead. Um, it feels like a found footage film because it's one of the very first studio films to be shot with digital video. Yeah, that's one of the things that I uh, really like about this movie. Um, like, it, the film quality is so bad, um, but it feels more realistic because it feels like someone just filming a bunch of people. Um, so for me, it was like so much more engaging. Yeah. And it's quieter. It's very, um, I kind of want to say atmospheric. Yeah, it's atmospheric, but it's very pensive. It's got a lot on its mind that it doesn't talk about. And yeah, uh, Brad Anderson. It's so weird that his his career now is known for so many like independent horror films. Because uh, his first movie was Next Stop Wonderland, which was a cute romantic comedy with Hope Davis, and then he does this, which is a complete and absolute change of pace um while it didn't make money it was critically acclaimed and it led to the machinist which is probably his most well-known movie yeah did you see that he got hired like two weeks ago to finish the uh george romero dead films uh what do you mean by finish uh, so, uh, George Romero was writing what was intended to be his final zombie movie, and then he passed away before he could get it made. So his daughter, who uh, was in control of you know the, the rights, uh, hired Brad Anderson based on you know a couple of his movies like this uh, to to direct it. I'm, in, I'm into that. Yeah, it's it's better than what they've been doing because a lot of these Dawn of the Dead. Uh, Day of the Dead sequels, remakes, whatever seem to be more action oriented because of what right, Zack Snyder yeah. did. Yeah, and that would be kind of my biggest concern. Is like they're just going to Hollywood Hollywoodify it, and it's just going to be a big bombastic movie that's supposed to like you know slap his name on. This is the last thing he worked on, so I'm really glad that they're actually 
having someone with a vision working on it. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't seen the movie, it's a small skeleton crew of a company that's desperate to stay alive. They are almost on the verge of bankruptcy. And so they have a very short amount of time they can do it in, and they have a very small crew, and it's a massive building, but they've guaranteed it or they don't get paid. And they're under all this pressure from outside of the job as well, and you kind of see as they're cleaning up the building that their personal traumas are haunting them. Uh, well, it's like the building is feeding off of those problems. Yeah, that's what uh, what was so. This is, I mean, this is a great movie. Um, but what is what makes it so good is that like there's everyone has their own bits of tension um, that keeps getting ratcheted throughout the movie. Like yeah. every day, like everyone's story advances a little bit more, and we and things are gonna and more thing more things are being revealed over time. Um, that just makes everything so tense. That's like everything is riding on this, and everyone's life is awful, and yeah. it's just a, a race to the bottom to see if they if, can they pull this out and get a victory, and they're and kind of symbolically, you know, um, fix everything else in their lives. It's yeah. So you have the main character who has some trauma with his wife and child. You don't know exactly what it is at the time. Um, and then David Caruso's character, he's the one with the red hair, he has rage issues, um, and he doesn't trust uh, his boss anymore to keep it going. Um, you have the kid who's terrified of the dark, but also is just a fuck-up. He can barely do his job. Uh, then, then Josh Lucas's character is kind of like the schemer, he, and he discovers that there's a whole bunch of like gold teeth and necklaces and coins buried in the wall, which I've heard is a real thing that people find in these buildings. Apparently, I don't know. They, uh, they I, like they, squirrel things. Yeah. Well, they, they steal it from the patients, and then they hide it. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. Ha we had a mental hospital that was shut down uh, where I lived in Huntington, and um, it was a dare. We would drive out there at night. And oh, fuck it, no. Yeah, you drive out there in the middle of the night, and you would go out there, and, and it would be a dare if you would actually go into the building. None of us ever did it. We, we drove out there like three or four times, and one time we started to get out of the car, and we saw some people, like two or three flashlights, whatever, and we're like, I don't know if those are kids that are doing the same thing we're doing or fucking lunatics, so we gotta go. <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, I'm not afraid of ghosts. I'd be afraid of people, like, living in there. Yeah. And people who are living in an abandoned place tend to be very territorial, so I would not fuck around with that. Yeah. And I've been to uh, another mental facility where they shot one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, and I just play frisbee golf in front of that during the day, and it's actually being used. A thousand times less scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's supposed, I mean, like, generally with, like, mental health care, because I am in this field. Like, you want to try to make it warm and inviting. Like, I mean, obviously institutions, some some still exist. I mean, a lot still exist, honestly. But, like, they're trying to kind of get away from that model into uh, a more, like, homey kind of feeling. Right, yeah. Um, and this is clearly, like, a very old facility. What were, they, what were they cleaning it up for? Were they going to sell the building? Or were they just... What were they doing? I, I think they were going to kind of like do some construction and it was going to be like um, other businesses are going to okay. come in. I was, like, 
I really didn't think that they were going to reopen it, but I was like, what, are they going to turn this to, like, resort or what? Um, yeah, it was going to be something else. It was not going to be another facility. The only thing I can think of that has vibes like this is uh, The Shining, but I just don't think it's... I don't think The Shining's anywhere nearly as scary as this. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's hard to say. Uh, I do I do think The Shining's pretty spooky. But, I don't know. Some, uh, something. And think, either, either way, this is also a very spooky movie, and it's very yeah. good. Well, um, for, yeah, for I, me... I, yeah, like, yeah. For me, Sorry, it's, it's it's the low budget, the video. Something about it feels like the way Texas Chainsaw Massacre felt because yes, exactly. There's something unnerving, but it also feels like you're seeing something. You're you're um, a voyeur into something you're never supposed to see. Yeah. Um, but I think I think what's interesting is the guy who wrote this, uh, Stephen Gavidon. He is the guy who finds the tapes, and how they revealed the story of that while the other stories are going on and it, it's kind of flowing together and, and it almost feels like it's you're, you're discovering things about the place and maybe these people while you're hearing the tapes and god damn it that trick of the warp tape is so fucking unnerving <laughs> it's so good yeah and yeah that, um, again like what, it, what I was talking about earlier about like all of these different stories keep ratcheting up the tension and it's all kind of linked back to the tapes because like the further you go into the tapes the more you start to understand um, what happened at the facility why it's affecting people that kind of thing but also each day you reveal a little bit more and more about each character and what's happening and so you simultaneously get invested in their dramas that they're going through because you know these are all very real people who are suffering and that's tragic um, and they're trying to better their lives but also like slowly realizing like just how messed up the situation is yeah. and like it doesn't seem and the further you go in you're like they're not going to make it are they <laughs> yeah the uh you'll never look at lobotomy uh pics in any way whatsoever other than it's so god i know it's a simple camera trick but it's on the side of his face but wait so when yeah. you pull it out of his eye and he he has that kind of like tug oh. huh i was just cringing because yeah that, that was that was horrifying yeah and um, I used to creep my sister out after watching this movie. I would just walk up to her sometimes when she didn't realize it and go, what are you doing here? <laughs> She's like, ah, stop that. <laughs> uh, spoilers. Um, now I got to discuss this. Uh, when uh, Gordon reveals that he murdered his wife and daughter and that he's been killing everybody he's possessed by was it the character i think the 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 ghost was named steven the one that possessed the girl um yeah did he have that so did he get that the first day they went into the mental facility or did he kill them before that yeah that's the thing that i was thinking about just now too where it's like did everything bad happen because he went there the first day or is this more like he's misremembering what happened like they're messing with him yeah i feel like it's a parasite and it was looking for someone because he remember at the end he says i hide in the weak and the wounded yeah but what what why was he weak and wounded in the first place that's what i'm trying to figure out was his child hurt and that and then his wife left him and that's why he was weak and was able to possess him or was there something else the stress of keeping the business alive 
is that's what, what I was thinking. But everyone has stress, and and so like, well, how come no one else is? But I know. I want to know what it was. It's kind of like a, a symbiote or a leech or whatever, emotional leech ghost. And yeah, yeah, that's the timeline. I feel like I need to go back and watch it again to see. Did this happen before he ever entered the building the first time? So how did how did the so was he already just evil? I don't know. That's the thing that confuses me. I mean, it's very clear from the first when he's when he's talking to the guy about like negotiating the job that he's desperate. Yeah. And for what reason he's desperate, I, you can leave that up to interpretation. Obviously, the the most realistic answer is because his business is failing and this is his last chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could be that he's already lost everything and he's got nothing left to lose. Yeah, and I think that's what it was—the emotional broken. Like they're just doing this to do this. He knows he's just being delusional. He knows the business is over with. And so that's how the ghost finds a way in. It's funny that they're all weak, and they, he could have just jumped from body to body like the thing or something, but he doesn't. He, he chooses just just Gordon. Yeah, well, he does seem the most deluded out of all of them, too, yeah. because like when it comes to the business, everybody pretty much knows what the score is. Everyone's looking for a way out um, by the time we even start. Yeah, I just think it's a fantastic film that's never really found its audience. Like, no one talks about this movie. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie. I'm so glad that you uh, recommended this, because okay. I never would have seen it otherwise. Yeah, the only reason I knew about it is Rotten Tomatoes had just come out at this time, and I saw it had a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, holy shit. I've never heard of this. I know a couple of the actors, but i got to see this. I mean, I didn't see it in theaters, because I don't think hardly anybody did. But I caught it on video like when it came out, and I was like, oh my god, I'm traumatized. <laughs> like, it stuck with me for a long time. Yeah. But I love the fact that my sister gets more haunted than I do, and I can fuck with her a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> <sighs> I think that's the point of the older brothers. Come on. <laughs> oh, obviously. Even younger brothers can do it, too. Yeah. All right, anything else you want to say before we go? Okay. <laughs> All right. Next month's theme is Nature Got Amok. We got Lake Placid. We got Anaconda. We got Deep Blue Sea. And I think there's a couple others I can throw in there. Um, like Komodo. Uh, it's not, it's not going to be classy and it's not going to be hub. Uh, yeah, it's going to be just cheesy fun. <laughs> Sweet. I, it kind of seems like we're delving a little bit back into uh, our previous podcast. Yeah, Trash Cinema. Sometimes we need a breather yeah. and, some, and some junky fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, right. you know, like, se- like Session 9 uh, and uh, Sixth Sense, those are very serious ones. We need to get a little bit silly. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody, that is it. Have a good one.